Welcome, folks, to The Danger Room, the uncanny X-Men commentary comics podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. Hey, it's our 150th issue. Dun-da-da-da! 150! We made it. Yay! We couldn't have done it without the support of you, the listener. Yay! Well, we, we could have. But it wouldn't have been as much fun. That's right. And we are here to discuss the September 1982 on-sale June 8th of 1982 issue of The Uncanny X-Men number 161 titled Gold Rush. Some men would do it for gold. Wounded but to just keep on climbing. Sleep by the side of the Jeremy, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Are you ready? Yes, I'm totally ready. What happened to you at the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, do you have three hours of time? Because <laughs> that's about how long the story takes to tell. Can you All make right. it short? I can condense the story. Uh, yeah, this is this is good podcast fodder for our dear listeners. I uh, won Super Bowl tickets from brand name. And uh, they sent me to Arizona to watch the Super Bowl, which I thought was pretty cool of them. And when we got to the actual gates of the Super Bowl, they checked my tickets and the little beeping machine would not allow us in. It would say, not valid. I went to multiple windows throughout the stadium, the will call, the NFL exchange, uh, multiple gates to see if I could get let in. I got getting told to go to various, go here, go there. These people will help you. Those people will help you. And all the while, I'm conversing with the people at brand name to be like, hey, these tickets you gave me are not allowing me entrance to the Super Bowl. And they're kind of freaking out like, what? That's what? And they gave me some phone numbers to call. And I called these people and some people came over to try to help me. And then ultimately, they stopped communicating with me. Not brand name. They kept communicating with me, trying to, like, have you heard anything? Where are you? Are you in the stadium? The people that were on the ground trying to help me, they, like, totally just disappeared. No idea what <laughs> happened. Uh, and so, you know, we went all the way to Arizona and spent the Super Bowl, half the Super Bowl, in the parking lot, which you would think could be a good time, right? Because tailgating goes on and there's probably some beer stands and stuff. But no, nope, all that's regulated. If you want to tailgate, you got to go get tailgate tickets and go to the officially designated tailgate area. So, yeah, we just sat in the sun. It, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's what happened on Super Bowl Sunday. And so we, we were conversing back and forth with... Uh, Brand name. That's... Uh, uh, they they were apologetic, and uh, I finally got some feedback that apparently the broker that they used to buy these tickets from, they apparently sold a whole bunch of, uh, uh, resold a whole bunch of tickets. And just about everybody that bought some of these tickets from this particular broker had the same problem that I had. Uh, and these people have like disappeared off the face of the earth. And so <laughs> brand name legal is like after them and they're trying to trace down the details and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they're cool. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't brand name fault. Uh, you know, they, they, they made up for it. They, 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 they made up for it. I won't tell you the details of that, but let's suffice to say that at the end of the day, it's all cool. And you should drink some brand names, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that kind of funny? Like, at first you're kind of thinking like, how could a corporation send me on a a, a, vac or a, a trip to a place where like the tickets don't work? That doesn't make sense. Oh, that's the last thing you would expect. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah. So there you go. But you still got a nice trip out of it, right, though, right? Right. So we had the airfare. We had the hotel. Uh, there was so much going on in Phoenix that we were able to, you know, we there, we did a lot of stuff. Uh, so no, it was not a it was not a waste. Uh, and and like I said, 
brand name and has made it up to me so there's no hard feelings did you tell anybody that you were the co-host of a popular podcast <laughs> i said you had better admit me entrance to this super bowl or i will smear your name all over my podcast there will be no super bowl 40 <laughs> no i i didn't play that card adam I, I i felt bigger than that i was like i don't need to rest on the the shoulders of my podcast to make my point <laughs> did you negotiate with brand name for some uh, marketing rights holy crap i didn't even think about that i should oh. have been like hey forget about the super bowl but i got this podcast and we could use we could use sponsorship oh my god can you imagine and then and then you and me could be like yeah and then professor xavier he sits down with an ice cold brand name looks deeply into moria's eyes and says baby this is the life Several of our listeners listeners have recently sent us recipes involving brand name. Not sure what this is all about, but uh, hey, I guess our fans like brand name. <laughs> this one's called the brand name. Bamf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I, I guess I just wasn't thinking on my feet when I finally got, got a hold of them. <laughs> next next time. <laughs> so there you go, everybody. Uh, your favorite co-host was almost at the Super Bowl. Your second favorite co-host. Oh, oh, is that how it is, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, on to the cover of this uh, this uh, comic book, uh, number 161. We see the professor holding a woman and Magneto, and they appear to be fighting side by side. Um, has Dave Cockrum never read an issue of The Uncanny X-Men? Clearly, he's made a mistake. Because, um, well, I'm, you know, despite the fact that Magneto and the Professor are fighting side by side, I can I can understand that. But the Professor is shooting beams from his head and Magneto is shooting beams from his hands. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Well, it, it does in this issue. <laughs> it, has, it has never happened <laughs> and it will never happen. I want to know who all these uh, Ant-Men uh, are that they're fighting. <laughs> Um, and I guess they're standing atop a pile of gold bricks and there is, do we, I mean, do we know who this is in the background? Like I instantly know who it was when I saw the cover. Yeah. But... I, yeah. It's Baron Zemo. We know this because he's a classic villain with the eye thing and the scar. Yeah. 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 So. Uncanny I... X-Men fans might not know it. Right. Cause this, this is this... first, uh, this is definitely his first appearance in the pages of the uncanny X-Men. Yes. So, Kind of a, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Adam, and say this is this is a terrible cover. Yeah, yeah, it's a terrible cover. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with you there. I mean, it, they're trying to make it action-packed with the beams coming out of the hands and the heads and everything, but it just, it, I don't know. It looks like Dave Cockrum just totally phoned this one in. Where's Wolverine? Come on. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Well, let's open this thing up here. Uh, this comic here called Gold Rush is written by Chris Claremont. Uh, Dave Cockrum and Bob Wisiak are the penciler and inker, respectively. Wisiak. Wisiak. It's not going to change, Adam. <laughs> you uh, got it right at least once. <laughs> Tom, just dub that correct one in every time I say Wisiak. <laughs> uh, Tom Orzachowski is the letter. Glennis Ween is the colorist. Luis Jones is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And we... On the cover, or on the inside splash panel, we are haunted by the visions of Skirkle. <laughs> Skirkle and Green Monster Guy. I don't know who the Green Monster Guy is supposed to be. But yeah, the professor is uh, poorly drawn, first of all. But secondly, he's having like a fever dream, dream of all of his X-Men kind of mutating into, uh, uh, what are these guys called again? Broods. So you'd have to give us... Are they, are they broods? Do they look... Just kind of monsterish, I guess. I don't know. I think, well, I mean, the way that Storm and Cyclops's head are drawn is kind of in that pointy brood manner. Now, Wolverine and Nightcrawler and uh, Moira, who I think that is, they don't look like broods at all. Uh, and then... Lander also does not look like a brood, but she does look like a Thundercat. <laughs> she looks like a Thundercat. I think she kind of looks brood-like because she's got the big teeth and she's got the very pronounced chin here. Uh but the green guy, I don't. Who's the green guy? I don't know, but he's kind of cool. I actually like this drawing of this green guy quite a bit. I mean, he's got little pointy things coming out of his head. He's got a uh, little predator, uh, you know, 
facial hooks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Will? I know who the green guy is, but I'm not going to tell you until it's relevant. Okay. I think I figured it out. It took me a while, but anyways. So yeah, he's he's unconscious. He's having these dreams, and we flash into his bedroom where all of the X-Men, basically the people he saw, except for Colossus, he's in the room, and Kitty, they're in the room. I, actually, you know what? At first I thought, like, maybe the green guy's Corsair, right? Because Corsair's also in the room, but the green guy's not Corsair. Hmm. And actually, the uh, the woman who I thought was Moira, do you think that's really Moira? Yes. Terrible drawing of Moira. Who else could it be? I don't know. It kind of looks like a, a mutant who we haven't met yet named Harpoon from the uh, Mutant Massacre, but it's not. I, I that, that would be really uh, early plotting on Chris Claremont's point. So I'm going to plant these seeds really early. <clears throat> Sikorsky's in there and he's doing his little Yoda speak. <laughs> Is to be expected, Moira colleague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're still at the uh, Magneto Atlantis base. The professor's bed is thankfully a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah, they, they finally realized, like, man, taking his temperature and changing his bed sheets is sure so much easier with this smaller bed. But let's, let's make it difficult to get to him. We'll put him in the highest room in this ridiculously tall tower. <laughs> so in order to visit him, you have to climb up a thousand stairs. <laughs> Yep. So I will. <laughs> Moira shares with they kind of re uh, re rehash uh, what has occurred. So so Cyclops is back. Him and Corsair they were visiting Havoc. I guess he, they came back to the Atlantis base. And Moira sharing that uh, we had a psychic here. We had a psychic here once before, but the professor almost killed her trying to commit suicide. I did I and the <laughs> suicide him. What are you saying, Moira, that there's no hope? Aye, there's always hope. Spare me the homilies, Doctor. Under the circumstances, they ring a little hollow. I'm out of here. And he storms off. Kitty and Wolverine are left to have a little conversation. Kitty's like, why is he like that, Wolverine? And she's like, darling, Gene left. He was left. I don't know. He really likes the professor. Uh... When you feel as deeply as Scotty does and try as hard to hide those feelings, in a way, I guess he and I are a lot alike. Yeah, they're men. They bury their feelings down deep. Yeah. And so Corsair, he wants to head off to talk with Scott about this whole ordeal, but Storm is like, no, let me do it. I'm his friend. This is like two panels later. I feel like Scott's not in the room anymore. You would think so, but yeah, they're 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 kind of treating him like he is still in the room. He had trouble with the door. That's right. I can't. I can't open this door. <laughs> Gosh darn! I'm sad. So he heads out onto a balcony on this ridiculously tall tower. Storm comes out, and he's like, "Storm, did you make this sunset? It's amazing." I am flattered that you think me capable of such beauty, Cyclops. But nope, <laughs> not me. And that's when Cyclops kind of loses his. He's, he's mad. He's like, look what you did. And they're referring yeah. to the event of the mutants wrecking the Pentagon, which is what? X-Men number 158, 159? On the way out here, I picked up this paper. The headline speaks for itself. Mutants wreck Pentagon. Well, that doesn't really speak for itself. It does, too, because the next line says, X-Men implicated. Senator Kelly urges investigation. That's not the headline, though. It's the byline. It's pretty close. It's above the fold, Adam. It's above the fold. Scott said the headline speaks for itself. (laughs) Mutants wreck Pentagon. Okay, fine. Uh, Storm's trying to defend the position. The security is in jeopardy. They needed to act quickly. She made a decision. She's the leader. And Cyclops is like, well, maybe I should take my old job back. If you wish to reclaim that position, Cyclops, all you need to do is ask for it. Aurora, wait. Why? Please don't go. So he kind you of... have something to say, you douchebag? <laughs> I am a douchebag, so right now I'm backpedaling. I don't actually want that job. You're pretty cool. <laughs> so a little bit more rehash about uh, what's been going on. Alana has been turned in... Or Iliana has been turned from a child into a teenager by the demon Belasco. We all remember that. I hope we do. That uh, was the last episode. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Uh, Cyclops goes on uh, to talk about how he's upset about the professor. The professor is kind of as much a father to Cyclops as Corsair is. Uh, Aye, 
I love him, Aurora. And I can't bear seeing him like this. And he goes on. The gene, the orphanage, my deadly eyes. Lee Forrester, Colleen Wing. All of the ladies in my life leaving me, or me leaving them. I don't have them, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Actually, Lee Forrester is still in the the building somewhere. I just can't find her. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened, Adam. Maybe Lee Forrester was wandering around and she stepped on one of those circles. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And since since it could be anywhere and any when, maybe she learned like the magic and she got really mad at the X-Men and really mad at Cyclops and she ultimately became Belasco. Wow. Boom. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> is, uh, we'll have to see what happens when Cyclops and Belasco meet, if they ever do. Yeah, they just fall to the ground kissing. I don't know why, but I want to kiss you. So, ultimately, uh, Cyclops doesn't want his old job back. Um, he wants Aurora to help him. Xavier's dying, and I'm feeling sorry for myself. My deadly eyes. <laughs> Foolish man, you had but to ask. Yep. Lelandra is inside, meanwhile, crying over Professor Xavier. Um, a solitary tear lands on his brow, and he wakes up. The end. Haifa, Israel. Haifa? Haifa, Israel is where he wakes up. Oh, oh, the story doesn't end. Oh, oh. no, no, no. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was over. Nope, nope. We go into a dream sequence, Adam. And this I thought tr- it was one of those things where, like, the magic tear wakes him up. Oh, no. Not yet, anyways. Uh, the, the dream sequence here appears to be drawn by somebody else. Do- I think. Doesn't it? I mean... Uh, it's not credited to someone else. It, it, you're right. It is not. But uh, it just seems like when we enter the dream sequence here, there's a kind of a shift in artwork. You know what it is? It's a shift in coloring. Oh, that could be. Yeah, it's brighter, I suppose. Yeah, you got a lot of yellows and browns in the last couple of panels. And now we're to, like, bright blue. Glennis Ween is a good colorist. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's all it took. While the professor's walking, it's 20 years uh, ago, and he is showing up to the hospital. It's uh, a few days or weeks or whatever, shortly after the episode uh, X-Men 117, where he fought the Shadow King. Yep. Yep. So same same trip, basically, however long that trip was. He's recently really a part of the same trip where Juggernaut. No, wait, that's a different trip. No, that's when they were in Korea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, um, let me see here. The uh, pro, uh, this is shortly after we know this is shortly after he and Moira broke up. This doctor person that he's talking to, uh, whose name is Daniel Shamran, is sad to hear that he and Moira split up. Oh, yeah. Uh, he thought that they were very happy together, and the professor also thinks that they were very happy together, but clearly not. So they go on. Uh, this is shortly after the end of World War II. I want to say, what, 10, 15 years after? I guess that's not too shortly after, but uh, they basically have a lot of people that were in concentration camps and other uh, Nazi terror areas in this hospital that are kind of either catatonic or have some mental disabilities or whatever. And they need the professor's unique talents, of which Daniel Shamra does not know what they are. Nope. But he knows he has them. Uh, The professor is the... No, okay. So uh, Shamran, he's a psychiatrist. And so he's trying to help out all these patients and whatnot, uh, break through whatever barriers they have. And so when they get to the hospital... uh, uh, Daniel Shamran introduces the professor to a colleague of his named Magnus. And actually, he's not even a colleague. He's a volunteer. He refers to the professor as an instinctive psychologist. I wonder if that's a real term or if they just added the word instinctive to the word psychologist. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. So the professor is meeting Magnus for the first time. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that this is Magneto. I, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we saw him on the cover. He looks like the Magneto we've seen in in uh, previous issues without his helmet. His name is Magnus. His, I mean, come on. His name is Magnus, right? It's, yeah. Uh, the prof- not, his name is not yet Eric. No. So, the professor attempts to do a quick mind scan of Magnus and uh, comments to himself that is fascinating that Magnus's mind is closed to him. 
He's no telepath, uh, but his natural psychic defenses are as formidable as my own. Could he be another mutant like me? And will he develop powers of psychic so that early on when I form the X-Men, we have psychic battles on the astral plane? Will that happen? And then lose them when I turn him into a baby. Yeah, but we'll never talk about him actually losing it. It'll just not be there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Along with a few other powers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right. So we're spoon-fed the fact that he came from Auschwitz. We see the serial number on his arm. Uh, He goes on. Magnus is setting up his backstory, uh, right? He has no family anymore. Presumably they were lost at Auschwitz or some other horrible thing. Indeed. I believe all of this has eventually uh, been turned into a comic story. I forget what it was called, but I read it. Mm, Really? Well, didn't you say there was like a a Magneto miniseries? Well, this was called... It was Magneto something, something, and it was before he got his powers, and uh, and it was all it was just like all of his years in Auschwitz, and mm. uh, a little bit after when he joins up with the Gypsies. And the one of the most interesting things about the book, I mean, it was really well written, it was pretty powerful, but there were footnotes in the back of each issue that uh, showed every reference that they used to tell this story. Oh, to sure. Put this thing together. That's it's really cool. detailed. One of these days I should read that. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's called the Magneto Testament. Okay. So uh, we get introduced to Gabrielle, Gabrielle Holler. She had some very traumatic experiences in Dachau. Uh, and she, because of that, she has withdrawn into a catatonic schizophrenia. A total retreat from reality. She was like this when she arrived, and she hasn't improved. And they're wondering if the professor could do anything. So the professor sits down and psychically invades her mind. And to the people watching, he just stares at her. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what he does. He just sits down next to people, and all of a sudden they're magically cured. Don't you think rather than hailing him as a a, a, a whatever you call it, psychologist, they could, like, burn him as a witch? (laughs) He's a witch! He's like a, he's like, well, he refers to him as like a miracle maker, I suppose. Oh, or a witch. <laughs> well, you know, it's past that time. I suppose. There are witches, except for Scarlet Witch. <laughs> so. But she's not, she's not born yet. Yes, right. Because Magnus here hasn't gotten busy. Wait, maybe he has. I think he has. Yeah, I think he has. Yeah, so. He, he doesn't know that there are children that have been sired. There's a little Scarlet Witch running around. He So the professor enters the astral plane, or not the astral pl- plane, but her mind, which is kind of a plane, and he is uh, he runs up against a wall. Boom. A wall? Oh, no. And emerging from the wall, monsters. Oh, my goodness. So this is what I think the monster on the front uh, splash page is, is the professor's very own monster. I was thinking that, too, as soon as I saw these monsters, but... We don't know. Like, we're never yeah. given that information, so we're just left to assume. Mind monsters. Yes. So the uh, the monsters, I think, are here. Uh, the creatures are defenders to keep herself and post sanctuary forever inviolate. Hmm. Uh, she is lashing out in fear, and he thinks to himself, Splendid! <laughs> so this and is... He's, he's totally naked. He is totally naked. But you should not be running through somebody's mind naked. And especially, like, this girl's, like, 17 or something. <laughs> well, maybe she's of age. I don't know. But, yeah, he is, he's running through her mind naked. Uh, he, the, the monsters here, while they're portrayed as evil, they're kind of a defense mechanism to keep the bad things away from her. Uh, and ultimately, he is able to defeat the monsters. He, he does say, like, oh, if they kill me here, I will really die. But a panel later, he's killed them. <laughs> And he's pretty proud of himself. And now he sees some uh, he sees some interesting images that she has brought up. Um, images from uh, is it Dachau? Dachau, 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 Dachau. Um, Nazi monsters. Uh, looks like gas chambers, gates. So she was packed on a train with a whole bunch of her family and probably other people of the Jewish faith taken to the chambers and killed, uh, except for her. She was pulled aside cause she was 
pretty attractive and the guards liked her. Unfortunately, they liked her so much that they violated her day in and day out and she didn't oh, understand. Sorry, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it's horrible. She didn't uh, understand why she was being punished like this. She wanted to kill herself, but she wasn't brave enough to kill herself. Um, and she prayed that they would send her to the gas chamber, but they never did. Uh, so that stuff happened. And then in her mind, uh, in the final days of the war, uh, somebody shot her and turned her into a solid gold statue. Now, this is, of course, mental representations of what actually happened. She didn't really turn into a solid gold figure. Right. <laughs> but after that, she she kind of awakens with a... Mama, Papa. Yeah. So Magnus is like, hey, I don't believe it. <laughs> you were just staring at her for <laughs> like 45 minutes. <laughs> and now she's okay. Witchcraft! This, he's a witch! Burn him! Well, I gathered that the time, the whole time that he was staring at her, he must have been talking to them. I kind of, yeah, because it does say later on the doctor's like, she was mumbling things about, you know, the gates and the monsters and the Nazis. What's this whole thing about the solid gold statue? Right. So I kind of wish that during the pacing of that whole psychic thing, we could have maybe flashed to the professor sitting next to her and you could have maybe seen the professor like maybe softly saying something and her uh, awkwardly saying some of these things back so that we could really emphasize the point that he's not just sitting there staring at her for 45 minutes yeah it would yeah just to understand what was going on but um they put her to bed and uh daniel says care to explain charles and charles is you know typical charles not particularly (laughs) nope (laughs) deal yep and from the background uh Behind the Dr. Shoreman, we hear, or we see, a guy who's thinking to himself, The hollow girl, conscious? The leader must be informed at once. Our years of patience are at last re- about to be rewarded. The prize we have sought for so long is finally within our grasp. Seagull! Which, to me, is like, this guy's literally shouting in his mind. Like, why doesn't the professor hear this? <laughs> he's scanning the everybody else. The professor's mind. tired. He just went through a mental ordeal. He's... He's not zooming into anybody's minds at the moment. All right, fine, fair enough. We do have to remember, though, this is the this is the professor who freely invades people's minds because, like, yep, he he uh, he hasn't reached that stage where he's always like Wolverine. I will not go into that person's mind because it's not right. Nope. <laughs> so we get a little montage of the weeks that follow, and uh, the professor and Magnus and uh, what's this girl's name? Gabrielle. Gabrielle. They become fast friends and they're they're chatting and uh the professor and Magneto or Magnus I should say, they have a philosophical debate about mutants, although they have not yet revealed to each other that they are mutants. Do you think this is all taking place in one day cuz none of them change clothes? <laughs> it says over the weeks that follow and with the aid of their constant companions blah blah blah. So they just don't change their clothes. They they came here with one set of clothes. Gabrielle is literally wearing the clothes that she left Dachau in. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? You'd think that Dr. Shorman would be like, all right, here's some money. Go get some clothes. Well, no, she, she's wearing a different clothes than when she did the, the catatonic treatment. I know. I was kidding. She's, she's wearing a green dress there. So she changed and she was like, ah, I couldn't wait to change out of that green dress. We've been wearing that for years. But the professor... Now wear these red, this red top and these blue pants. But the professor and Magnus are like, nope, my clothes are too cool to change. So... <laughs> well, no, she she thinks that you wear clothes, like, weeks at a time. Oh, yeah. Oh, this must be what happens now. Well, I've been... And they, and the professor and Magneto don't want to, or Magnus don't want to, you know, upset her too fast. Right. So they just play along. Sure, 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 sure. So the professor and Gabrielle, or Gabrielle's falling for the professor, but it's, you know, it's kind of a, what, a Florence Nightingale syndrome, right? He was the one that kind of brought her back, and so she's obviously fallen for him, and the professor's having kind of a mental conflict. He's like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but if it makes her happy, if it makes me happy, why not? And so they do it. No, I well, maybe they do it, but they kiss for sure. The professor's eyebrows are wicked. They are pretty crazy. 
this panel where he's kind of looking down at her like, I really shouldn't do this, but he just looks very devious. Uh, suddenly, while they're kissing, grenades go off. Which is what, it, when there's an explosion, I always identify it. <laughs> A grenade! <laughs> and that's Shotgun. when the first squad of ant men come running up over the hill, and they're ready to neutralize all the fences and capture that holler woman. And, uh... They are fighting against, well, presumably the the Israeli troops. Oh, sure. So, well, so the Ant-Men, it's Hydra, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, they are fighting against the Israelis. And they're not very happy about it, right? Because they're like Jewish and Hydra's not. So there's even more animosity going on here. Well, it's, it's why would Hydra just attack an area where there are Israeli troops? It kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, you, you, where do these troops come from? It's a good question. You would think that you would wait to, for the professor and Gabrielle to be a little bit further away from those Israeli troops. Yeah, I would do like a covert op or something. Yeah, you would think so. Well, the professor is, he, he pushes Gabrielle down to the ground to protect her, but he gets shot in the head. Yeah, he was he was receiving some stray thoughts that the mercenaries were after Gabby, but then he gets shot. Yeah. So he, so he's dead, which is weird. Creates a real continuity <laughs> yeah. issue with the comic book. He must be brought back to life somehow. Yeah, it's probably this is probably the inspiration for X Men Three. You know, when they kill him in the next movie, he's back alive with no explanation. Could be. Yeah. And though it's not what happens, but the Hydra people they get Gabrielle, and she's like, "No, no, my God, not again!" And so they take her, uh, and they get her into one of the Hydra mobiles. And they're about to fly away. These things totally say G.I. Joe to me. <laughs> I was trying to stay away from the reference, but yes, they look like Cobra vehicles, <laughs> which is awesome. So as they're flying away, the machine, uh, the Cobra flying thing explodes into pieces. All of the pieces are ripped apart and uh, the sh- shrapnel is uh, avoids all of the Israeli troops, Gabrielle, but lacerates and shreds all of the Hydra shoulders or, or sol- soldiers, and they die. Uh, the professor manages to see up on the roof Magnus uh, waving his arms around and with some sort of explosion, it looks like, around him. The same nimbus of light surrounded the plane as it was exploded by Magnus. Uh, was Magnus responsible? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, does this... So... so is when Magneto uses his powers, is this saying that basically there is an energy field about him? Well, in issue number 161 of Uncanny X-Men, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily in other issues, though. Well, I would have liked to have seen just the little figure without all of this stuff up yeah. on the top of the building. That would have been cool. Yeah, but no. So the uh, Magneto, he runs down from the roof and he goes and he's checking on Charles. He's actually kind of uh, concerned about Charles. And the, uh, the professor's like, hey, man, like, did did, was, did you do that to the aircraft? And did you need to kill all of those people? I did what needed to be done. Wait, what is that? Oh, yeah. I did what needed to be done. Exactly. Remember, he's an old Jewish man. <laughs> uh, he... Uh, I, let's see. So he, he makes a comparison. He's like, would you have done no less when you were a soldier in Korea? You killed without hesitation or mercy. But he frames it like a question. <laughs> well, did you not kill? Right. The professor says, I killed to survive, and the memory still sickens me. So all of a sudden we're getting kind of a conflict of how how are we supposed to deal with these problematic issues and uh dr shorman he comes up and says that they have a prisoner so they go to interrogate the prisoner unfortunately he doesn't speak english but it's okay because the professor and magnus they all speak german no just the professor oh you don't think that you would think that magneto would speak german but i guess not maybe well anyways you know where would you have the chance this is where it got weird for me right because the professor is like don't worry, Sergeant, ich bin er, ich sprechen Deutsch. And the German guy in German says, Jewish swine, you will get nothing from me. But the professor's not Jewish, is he? Uh, no. So you would, you'd think he'd be re- uh, referring to Magneto, but Magneto's not even talking to him. Well, Magneto's there and probably Daniel, what's his face? I mean, he probably, they're, they're in Israel. 
Sure. He's probably just generally assuming that everybody's Jewish. Okay. And so the professor reads his mind. Rudolf Kranz, Major Waffen SS, now a squad leader for something called Hydra Bruderschaft. Un ungeblackig. Un how do you say that? Unmauglich. How could you have just looked this one up last issue? Yeah, yeah. We've done these. I just couldn't remember how to pronounce it. But last issue, I think we did Umoglik. Umoglik. Spoken by Nightcrawler, the the weird Nightcrawler. The evil Nightcrawler. Right. That's easy, Herr Kranz. I read minds, the professor says. The close-up of his eyes. And then I guess he's squinting his nose. (laughs) Some weird lines going on here. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So two days later, 3,500 kilometers due south. Uh, some stuff is going on, namely by an outfit called Hydra. It's true, and uh, they someone comes down the mountain and says, We found it! We found the cave! Herr Baron, the woman's directions were perfect! And that's when Baron... Is it Zemo or is it Strucker? Oh, it's, it's Strucker. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Baron Zemo is... Yeah, he, he'll come later. Yeah, he's got like the pink outfit, doesn't he? He's the... He's eventually the leader of the Thunderbolts, oh. I believe. Yeah, this is Baron Baron Von Strucker, right? Or just Baron Strucker. I don't remember. Yes. At any rate. I think it's Von Strucker. I think it, yeah. Anyways, he comes out and he's like, <laughs> shut up. Everybody can hear you. But I'm so excited I won't kill you. Since it's good news, and he says, however, do it again right. and you're dead meat. Uh, I'm sorry, mein Herr. Never apologize. God, you suck. <laughs> you can't win with this guy. So he goes and grabs Gabrielle, and he's like, you've led us to a prize. I should have died before I told you anything. Yeah, but you are weak, Gabrielle, like all of your mongrel race. Oof. You should probably talk like a slightly more menacing Nightcrawler. Yeah, but you are weak, Gabrielle, like all your mongrel race. I like it. (laughs) All right. Good thing Baron Strucker's only like in this issue of the X-Men and never again, because I won't remember that. <clears throat> so uh, he wants Gabrielle to see this, because something's about to happen, and it's going to be the moment of triumph. But before that happens, the Professor, we find out, and Magnus have uh, stolen outfits and are posing as Hydra agents. When did that happen? <laughs> Off panel. Oh, the professor is flipping out. He says, Strucker, that's Baron Strucker, one of the most wanted Nazi war criminals. The things he did to Gabby, I see them, feel them in her mind, Magnus. He tortured her. Yeah, calm yourself, Charles, or we were all lost. So he says, stop being a lovesick schoolboy and let's let's do this by the numbers. Seriously, what was the professor going to do? Run out and, like, punch him? He could run out and mind wipe everybody, couldn't he? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. Why doesn't <laughs> Professor mind wipe anybody in this issue? Yeah, just, who are you old? Oh, where am I? <laughs> issue over. Well, anyways, uh, Baron Strucker and the rest of these uh, Nazi Hydra people, they get themselves close to a wall. They set up some explosives, and uh, they they blow up the wall, and they find Adolf Hitler's uh, hidden gold. Personal gold reserves that he uh, ushered out of Germany. Yeah, in the event of his death or something, so that a new world order could be formed or something like that. Yes, by Hydra. Yep. Where our <laughs> beloved few Adolf Hitler failed, Hydra shall succeed. Hail Hydra! I'm going to go with the professor hasn't learned how to mind wipe yet. Okay. I thought he mind-wiped uh, the the Shadow King, though, didn't he? Well, that was more of a battle sort of thing. It, was it wasn't a really a mind-wipe. It was just sort of a his mind got wiped Yeah. through the battle. Okay. Maybe that's where Professor kind of learns about the mind-wipe and is like, ah, I should master that. I should do this more often. So, yep, he's standing in front of a big pile of bricks, and he's actually got a very uh, Scooby-Doo look-like look on his face, and he's got his fists up in the air. It's very cartoonish. Uh, and that's when Magne- uh, they've, they've shifted their attention from Gabrielle, and uh, the professor and Magnus make their way over to Gabrielle and like, hey, it's us. And she's like, no, no, you're going to hurt me. So she's kind of gone delirious again. 
And Magneto says, Charles, uh, shut her up. Use your psi powers before she's heard. My, then you know about them? Yeah, I, you got powers. I mean, duh. Come on. <laughs> Doesn't take a genius. We spent hours talking about mutants the other day. You stared at the woman for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what else could have happened? You're, you're not a witch. <laughs> so that's when Baron Strucker, in the moment of hesitance, sees these uh, three and orders his Hydra agents to kill them. They fire some bullets, which Magneto stops, and it is that point, not when he destroyed the airplane, that the professor realizes that the Magneto is a mutant. He is a mutant. That's fantastic. Gabrielle's mind is in t- turmoil. Uh, shock's coming too soon after a recovery. It's more than she can handle. Blast. So the prof- mentally affects the soldiers so that they don't see anybody. The, the and they're standing right when they they find the professor and Gabby. Mm-hmm. So is, is that a mind wipe? No, he's just kind of like fooling them into thinking that each other is the enemy. So they're not mind wiped. Now they're just fighting amongst each other. He does say there are too many men, more minds than I can effectively control. So maybe he just, you know, maybe maybe even to this day he can't do like a like a crowd mind wipe. That could be. So they all fight, and Baron Strucker's like, what's going on? <laughs> and for some reason, in my copy, his head's not colored, which is kind of silly. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Are you trying to make me look like a fool, Ralph? Open your eyes. Then perhaps I'll see what I show you, Punch. Yeah, and so Magnus is like, come on, use your psi powers and wake Gabrielle up. And the professor's like, no, she'll become addicted to my psi power. She needs to get out of this by herself, which is interesting. And then he shouts at her, Do you hear me, Gabby? Come back! Fight! Meanwhile, Baron Strucker shows up, and he's got a red metal glove that apparently is filled with power. Uh, the professor can't affect Baron Strucker's mind for some reason. His resistance is stronger than the others. I guess it's sort of a, it's sort of a Jedi type thing. He can only affect weak-willed minds. Yeah, so Baron Strucker's like Watto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. That doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, and so Baron Strucker introduces us to the Satan Claw. Dun, dun, dun. And he punches at Magnus with a loud shakow. Shakow. But all of a sudden his hand starts hurting. He's like, what, what are you doing to my hand? Merely uh, demonstrating my irresistible power to uh, manipulate uh, magnetic fields. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, so he's crushing the glove. But now the Magnus that we saw earlier, like, just ripped a bunch of troops to shreds. And for some reason, all he does is just kind of hurt Baron Strucker's hands. And, like, he could, like, he could smush his hand. He could horribly disfigure him. He could end this right now. Baron Strucker's a very important character in the Marvel Universe. Well, And as such, he is given special mind-clouding powers that prevents him from being killed. Yes, and and uh, Magneto suddenly develops a co- conscious and decides not to kill Baron Strucker. I mean, Magneto, yeah. took it took six panels to re- for Magneto to realize, oh, that glove, it's made of metal. What am I doing? <laughs> I control metal. <laughs> so, um... Baron Strucker kind of goads Magnus a little bit. Um, But he's like, you can destroy me, you can destroy Deutschland, but our ideals, our great purpose, our great purpose will live on after us and it will prevail. All things are possible, Nazi. Hate is more popular than love, fear more prevalent than trust. If humanity wishes to follow you to its damnation, so be it. I gotta go. And he's got, he, he blasts a hole in the ceiling... Uh, and he's got a really goofy grin on his face as he does it. And I like it. So he uh, uses his magnetic powers or force manipulation or whatever to to levitate uh, the professor and Gabrielle out of the room. Which is impressive. In, is impressive because it doesn't really make all that much sense, but whatever. Uh, maybe they're lifting him by the, the professor's belt, which is right. he's got a metal belt buckle. Uh, we're flying. It's... Is there no limit to your ability? Oh, Apparently not. I didn't know I could do this. <laughs> so then, obviously, gold is a uh, is a metal, so he is able to control the gold bricks, 
and he flies them out the window or out the mountain. And Baron Strucker is very mad about this. Yes. And then Magneto leaves himself and collapses the cave on top of Baron Strucker. So he does kill him. Well, Baron Strucker's not dead. Attempts to. Yeah. So then uh, Magneto forms the gold bars into a very large cube of gold. And he, he basically is like, join me or don't. I'm out of here. If Magneto can make himself fly, it stands to reason that he can make other people fly, right? No. (laughs) I don't agree with that. I agree that he can move and control every aspect of metal. I can even accept that he can manipulate magnetic fields on the Earth to kind of repel him away from the surface of the planet. So kind of a levitation. And it's not going to be super fast, but it'll at least be able to be a way to move him around. Uh, But I believe you know whatever if i'm the x-men scientist who who they consult to say could magneto do this i say no he he his magnetic powers are not strong enough to move multiple other people but what he could do is he could like take metal pieces and like shape a craft to lift them out that is something he could do yeah but now maybe I'm... maybe the professor had metal boots <laughs> there you go so uh, we kind of get a little little um, thing about, uh, you know, Magneto's like, uh, mutants, mutants will not meekly go to the gas chambers. We will fight and we will win. Farewell, Magneto. And that's when no. Gabby wakes up. Um, they kiss. They go in for a kiss anyways. Uh, the professor is <clears throat> wakes up from his dream and is like, Gabby, Gabrielle, oh, that's when Lelandra says, who is this Gabrielle? And Moira's like, yeah, who is this Gabrielle? <laughs> no, nobody says that. They're like, we're so happy you're here. And even uh, Lelandra's like, oh, my dear Charles, I did what any other would for the one they loved. I was in a psychic void where hideous monsters tried to devour me. I kept running deeper into myself to escape them, but I couldn't. Then I heard your voice, speaking of Lelandra, uh, calling me back, giving me hope. And from that hope, I drew the strength to survive and triumph. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So there you go. Meanwhile, uh, there's a party that they're going to throw. Everybody... Well, not meanwhile. A couple couple of weeks later, maybe a couple of days later. It doesn't say that, Adam. It's like like the professor gets out of bed and they throw a party. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> All right. Well, it's later. Okay. It's later. Uh, everybody, meanwhile. everybody's happy, except, of course, you know, Colossus. He's a little bit concerned for his sister, Ileana, right? Because that, that's kind of a huge ordeal. But he's not so upset that he's not going to get dressed up in a kooky space outfit and go arm in arm with uh, Kitty. And Xavier also is not allowed to go because Moira won't let him. Yeah. So my question is, like, really, Colossus is going to leave his sister? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, you look exquisite, Katja. Do I appear? You look wonderful, too. Yeah, almost as good as me. Oh, poo. Carol Danvers is there. Oh, yeah. Logan is sitting at the table, and he's like, We're among friends, so why am I on edge? I keep spotting familiar traces of sense, but I can't place them. What's to worry? If trouble comes, we'll handle it. We're the X-Men. We're the best The best we are. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'll figure that out. <laughs> And Lilandra's salutes everybody and, uh, like, we owe you a debt and all that sort of stuff. And then she passes out. Ah! And she's got those blank Xavier eyes. It's the same thing that happened to the professor. It's true. Uh, so In the, the open bulletins this month, we see that Wolverine number one is coming out. Oh, we'll have to read that soon. One of these days. Yeah, not we'll read in continuity. Yeah, That's not for a while. Not, it hasn't happened yet. And they're like, well, we got to go get Corsair and uh, Moira and even the professor to see what's going on here. But that's when Deathbird steps out of the hatch or whatever and says, she is beyond your paramour's aid, Terrence, as are you. Deathbird! The Madrestric Shiar is no more. Long live the new Empress. Me! Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Tweet, tweet. (laughs) She's a bird. I don't know. Um. Yeah, so they all go in for the attack. They want to take Deathbird out, but a uh, hidden beneath the table, a something detonates, smashing the heroes into instant oblivion. So they're dead. They're all dead. That's when the brood shows up. Satisfied Clan Master Cam in Ehar. 
You have served the brood well, renegade. So will these X-Men, the host forms for the spawn of the blessed ruler of the mother of us all. Next issue, a journey of a million light years begins with an escape. Oh, I can't wait. There you go. X-Men number 161. Everything you thought you knew about the professor is a lie. They knew each other from the get-go, which makes no sense. Um... It doesn't work, Adam. It doesn't. We've heard dialogue in earlier X-Men issues where the professor... In in very recent earlier X-Men issues where the the professor is like, Magneto, he's... What what's the deal with that Magneto? I I, I feel is I mean he never once like you think he, he wouldn't have mentioned that he knew him, well, but maybe he forgot, <laughs> and maybe it'll be explained later. All right, I'm still holding out. Okay, but it's not a total retcon. All right, but I uh, I liked this issue, so I'm gonna let it go. Oh really? I didn't. I did not like the issue. I mean, it certainly adds a lot of backstory. Uh, finally, to the relationship. It's obviously, it's the. It's a key issue, right? It's the first uh, appearance of the relationship of the professor and Magneto. So, in that right, it's important. And I mean, I guess the story itself dealt with some pretty meaty topics. So, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite issue, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad by any means. It's way better than the Shadow King episode. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Or it's... the. Um... Uh, Lucifer's. So yes, this is the best uh, Professor origin yet. I don't know. That two-parter Juggernaut story was pretty good. Oh, good point. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, uh, we uh, we got. But I liked it. That's all I'm saying. All right. I liked it. We got some some communique, some letters, some some notes of encouragement. Uh, first thing I'd like to point out is we're at 182 likes on the Facebook page. Dun, dun, dun. So we have a whole bunch of people now running up to win the fabulous issue something or other. 164, I think. It's 164. Oh, yeah. We're almost there. We got a pile of Shi'ar issues left to go before we get back to Earth to actually deal with the issues that I like. So got to be honest, the next six or so issues is going to be kind of a slog, <laughs> but we'll get through it. Uh, speaking of Facebook, Adam, I don't know if you wanted to talk about kind of the, the uh, question errors that you put out on Twitters and Facebooks. Um, we, I guess I will mention that we are, th- we are considering a format change uh, we haven't really decided on anything yet, so a lot of everybody. Thank, thanks to everybody who uh, put in their two cents. We we took everything into account, and uh, it's totally awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good ideas kicked around, so we we je- definitely appreciated everybody taking the time to to either encourage us or say drop that damn dazzler. And there wasn't actually that many people that said that. But yeah, we got comments across the board for do more, do less, separate them, you know. So we still have some things to think about. But, you know, if you still have ideas, I mean, we definitely want to cover the major Uncanny X-Men related stories and kind of where they go in and out of the Uncanny X-Men. But there's all this other extra mutant stuff that is related to the X-Men that we're trying to figure out the best way to, well, either drop entirely or how do we fit that into the context of the web page because we also we also respect your time right you may not want us to babble on for two hours per podcast oh maybe you do <laughs> i don't know maybe it doesn't matter because you just listen to us in 15 minute bursts yeah i mean really if, if you don't if you don't want to listen to the whole thing i guess you could just turn it off yeah you, yeah, you can just of course maybe maybe we're just taking up too many megabytes on your ipod and you're like damn it <laughs> These these hundred meg podcasts are killing me. All right, so we got a little little note there on the iTunes. Uh, we got a from a, a Bow, Bow, Bowser server Bowser server. Anyways, he says uh, a plus plus plus. Also, one of our new Facebook uh, likers. Perfect. He gives us an a. He gives us an a triple plus and says, "Look, Futzers, it's the best comic book commentary podcast in the world." Extremely entertaining and informative. These guys are the best part about going into work. Boom. Thank you for that. I hope your job isn't horrible. <laughs> well, you know, some some people don't have great jobs. Some people have, you know, they got to pay the bills. And I like to think that, you know, like if they, they pop in our podcast and it kind of makes that hour or hour and a half of their job that they may or may not like go a little bit quicker. That, 
that's a win. So, yay. Yeah, I no, I would just I just wouldn't wish a horrible job on anybody. Well, no, Adam, you're you're, you're not that kind of guy. No, <laughs> I have enemies, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> we had, we got a message from Edward Gibson the third who uh, who apparently got fed up with how I was pronouncing Sinequichi. <laughs> and and I guess I I kind of actually knew this, but it's pronounced Sinkevich, right? Sin, sin, well, I don't know where the accent is, right? But it could be Sinkevich. Or how did you say I think, it? I think it's Sinkevich. Sinkevich? Sure, it could be, yeah, yeah. But it's I, yeah. Sinkevich. What what Edward Gibson III did not include was the cap, the three capital letters or the capital portion of which part of that do you actually accent. But but I'll go with your pronunciation, Adam. Of course, I, I won't remember. Like I've heard that before. Yeah, it's not like we're ever going to use it again. Well, I'm not going to remember it, too. So if we do another comic, it's going to be totally... Yeah, it's going to be Sinkevich the Superfan. We got a note. This is probably my favorite note of the month from Stephen Starr. He says, Hi, Matt and Jeremy. I love to show. I was wondering if you guys plan on reviewing the original Secret Wars since most of the X-Men at the time, as well as Magneto, were involved. Uh, Adam, I'm going to need you to go get Matt and help me answer this question. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> Matt, you've never been on this podcast before, and yet Steven Starr knows who you are. I, I have notoriety. Okay. Can you go get Adam now? I'm tired of talking to you. It's up. So as far as, uh, Secret Wars goes, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I do know, uh, uh, I think I know right about where in the X-Men they kind of pop out of existence. Uh, and so it it is literally continued directly from the pages of the X-Men and probably the Avengers and every other comic book. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, uh, I can only say maybe. So I went out to take a look to see if I could purchase the Secret Wars omnibus because I thought maybe I could pick it up for like 30, 40 bucks. I just get the paperback. The paperback is super cheap. Is it? I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't like the hardcovers, but. The hardcovers is, is, are great, but that one is really overpriced. It's, it's exp- like, I was, Adam, you should probably sell all your omnibuses because they're, they're stupid. I was actually looking at my Marvel Masterworks. Most of them are selling for like 80 bucks a piece and I didn't buy them for that. Wow. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll uh, sell them cheap to the fans later. Damn. Or maybe I'll give them away in some sort of exciting, you have to, you have to do a voicemail. Oh, contest. All right. More details on that. If they ever come to fruition. We also got a voice mail, which I'd like to play for you now. Adam and Jeremy, I can't believe it's you guys. I finally got you on the phone. It's me, Obnoxio Crown. I've been listening since December. I'd like to thank you guys for going through each issue of X-Men. I tell you what, I can't spend five minutes looking at them older comics, man. Them real old ones. I've been listening since, since December, and I've been going back and forth, and I'm finally caught up where I was going back and forth, and I just cleared giant size X-Men number one, but I know you're grounded where you're at, and soon you will be meeting Obnoxious the Clown. I'm looking forward for you smelling my armpits. I'll talk to you like I then, until then, keep up the good work at the X-Men Commentary Podcast. I'll talk to you guys later. I'm not sure what 50% of that was, but I love the enthusiasm. Wow, the gauntlet has been dropped. <laughs> that is the bar, listeners. That's the letter to beat right there. Uh, thanks, man. Super cool. Obnoxio the Clown, yeah. It's 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 uh, it's on our radar. Help me out. Like, remind me. Uh, what is Obnoxio the Clown? <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> but it's coming. It's in the pages of Uncanny X-Men, isn't it? No. Oh, it's not. No. Damn, I know the name. We're gonna get there, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember it. <laughs> I hope. Anyways, anyways, I, I look for something for me to look forward to as well. Um, I don't think we got anything else. So, if you'd like to get a hold of us, please do so by visiting us at www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. You can email us at redcapproductions or dangerroom at redcapproductions.com or you can visit our webpage www.xmenpodcast.com or you can go out and catch us on Twitter 
And you can subscribe to us on iTunes by opening that thing up and searching for Danger Room. We're the first thing that comes up. You can leave us a review, subscribe, download old episodes, etc., etc. And you could voicemail us as he did. Did you catch his name? No. No? Neither did I. Anyways, that's 501 Get X-Men. And remember, we don't like it doesn't come in like an email. We don't know who you are. So if you want some credit, just say, Hey, it's me, Bob. Here's my message. You call him Uncle Gabby. Uncle Gabby? I like that. Uh so there you go. I, I didn't I didn't come up with that, but I still like it. <clears throat> I read some Dazzler and I got good news, Adam. Okay. I can be brief. All right. Not as brief as I can be with Defenders 112, but go ahead. Sweet. So it's Dazzler number 19, and this one's worth covering because Angel is in it. Uh, Basically, uh, she fights that uh, guy. What's his name? The Creel guy. uh, Oh, man. Crusher. Absorbing Man. Absorbing Man. Yeah, she's fighting him. Uh, and But meanwhile, it doesn't matter. It's kind of a boring fight. Uh, Warren Worthington, though, he is kind of mulling over this whole thing. Like, he thought he could win uh, over Dazzler's heart by trying to solve this mystery of his uh, of her mother. So he goes into this kind of flashback that we never saw, but kind of an off-panel. He was hanging out with Dazzler's grandmother and said, you, you should tell me about Dazzler's mom because... I'm Warren Worthington the third, but you might know me by another name, the Angel, and that's Ooh. yeah, and that's when Grandma Blair is like, "Oh, you're a mutant, just like Allison," and oh, Angel's like, "Really? You know she's a mutant? I thought she was trying to keep that a secret." She's like, "I know, I know she's a mutant, and so does her father Carter. She knows he's a mutant, or he knows that she's a mutant as well. We all know." But since she wasn't telling us, and uh, we, Carter didn't want to admit it, we never really confronted her about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's talking more and more about uh, Allison's father, and it kind of gets her mad. Uh, and so then she asks Warren to leave. So Warren does. He goes over to like some records area, the library, and he starts combing through documents, and he's just unable to connect all these dots. And... Uh, he thought that this investigation would be a little bit quicker and he doesn't know what he's doing uh, because now he's dealing with real people and real feelings. So now he's like, I better decide what I'm doing and for whom. No no mention of Candy Southern. <laughs> he's over. Uh, Dazzler tries to get some help from the Fantastic Four, but Fantastic Four is not around, so she gets in contact with the Inhumans. So Black... Bolt and that dog guy. I can't remember what Lockjaw, I think is Lockheed? Lockjaw. I think it's Lockjaw. They show up and whatever. They they go fight the absorbing man some more. The Angel is sees this on TV and he's like, Oh my god, Dazzler's fighting a big giant guy. I should go help. So he flies over there to see what he can do. And the fight continues and nothing's really happening. And then Black Bolt comes up with this plan, which is kind of neat, right? Like he talks and things get destroyed. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that his power is sound based, which I didn't know. I thought he just was destructive about his power. But if he can talk or shout, Dazzler can then absorb the power and she can create a huge light power that can knock Absorbing Man back. Or maybe make him absorb so much power that he kind of peters out. It's kind of a neat plan. And it works. She blasts him with a whole bunch of energy. He absorbs a whole bunch of energy. And then he, it just like poofs and it's gone. Dazzler's falling to the ground and Black Bolt wants to save her. But he's not in time because Angel swoops in and sweeps her off of her feet right before she hits the ground. And she's like, oh, Warren. And she lands. And that's when that other boyfriend of hers, Ken, shows up. And they've got kind of this little awkward thing of, I'm here for Dazzler. No, I'm here for Dazzler. And that's when, uh, let's see what happens here. Um, Angel calls some people at Rikers Island to go get Absorbing Man. And Angel leaves. (laughs) Just like that? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. He so goes. If Angel was having so much trouble, like figuring out all this stuff. Why didn't he just hire somebody to do it for him? Well, he does talk about that. He's like, he thought it would be more uh, personal if, rather than using his immense wealth to hire an investigator, if he did it himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 
everything's kind of wrapped up and explained. Um, and that's really it. She has a conversation with that black lady, that black backup singer she meant about the brooch uh, that was her mother's, and it's pretty much over at that point. The next issue is The Secret Room, plus Dazzler faces off with the macabre menace of Johnny Guitar and Dr. Sax. Their playing will kill you. Oh, that, that kind of sounds awesome. <laughs> so that one I might do a very in-depth uh, cover uh, coverage of. <laughs> no, I probably won't. Uh, I can tell you one thing. I don't think Angels comes uh, back anymore. So maybe he decided that he wants to go hang out with uh, What's-Her-Face. And we'll find out. I, eventually he's going to join the Defenders. So, so that's it. That's all I got for Dazzler. Um Defenders number 111 is a Hellcat issue, and Beast is not in it. Oh, Done. that was a good update. By the way, I was wrong. Uh, Angel is totally in the next issue, so that, that's going to be one to hang out for. All right. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, I got nothing else, Adam. You got anything? See, um, tune in again next week. Same danger time, same danger channel. Yeah. Till next time, the danger room is closed. Taking you nowhere